So this morning, I, I want to talk about the beginning of this new year. I, I want to talk about, and probably, almost certainly actually, will continue this message when I next speak in February. This is a two-parter. I want to talk about how and why we must hold on to God even if he doesn't do what we want him to do. To build a truly unshakable faith in 2023. Like if you were here at the beginning of November, you'll, uh, you'll remember that I spoke about an unshakable faith. How do you have an unshakable faith in the middle of shaking times? And we're all going through shaking times at the moment, aren't we? Like wherever you are in your journey of faith, like there won't be a single, you don't have to be a prophet to know, there won't be a single person in this room who some part of their life is not being shaken right now. Some of us are physically health-wise shaken. We've been shaken even for a long time. So, some of us are experiencing a financial shaking. Some of us a relationship shaking. Some of us have been battling with an emotional shaking around anxiety and, and fear for a long time. Lots of different shaking. Some of us... A spiritual shaking, like a real sense of, okay, like, is God there? Does he care? How do we, in the midst of all of that shaking, have an unshakable faith and holding on to God, especially even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't come through in the way that we would hope for? Because... Like Amy was reflecting, imagine we're here in a year's time. It's 2024, January. And, and hopefully our experience of 2023 will be there will be some great highs, some wonderful moments, some things that we will look back with gratitude for. But again, I'm not being a pessimist, I'm just being a realist, that we also know that we will step into 2024 with scars from this year. Because life is good and it's bad and it's ugly. It's miraculous and it's messy. That's the road. And the question will be, will we be symbolically in this room following Jesus still going on in 12 months time? Knowing everything that's coming our way. Some of which we even know about. Some of you this morning, you know some things that you're still contending with at the start of this year. And probably in a different way for all of us, there are some surprises coming. And some of those surprises will be sweet, and some of them will be bitter. And how you are at the beginning of 2024, how you are, not just where you are, but how you are in 2024 will be determined by the choices you make every day to hold on to God. In the midst of it all. Because I, since I spoke that word in November, if you've been around Zio for a long time, you'll know that we, we always kind of look into the Lord every year. What's the word for the year, the phrase for the year? Last year it was shift. God was looking for us to shift. And, and this year I do believe that unshakable is the word for the year for 2023. That God wants to build in us an unwavering, an uncompromising, a convicting and resilient, unshakable faith. A faith that is rooted in a conviction 
which we will all at points sow and water in tears. And the conviction is this. Even if God doesn't come through for me, I'm never going to let him go. Because where else would I go? Where else would I go? An unshakable faith. And, and here's my promise to you at the beginning of this year. And, and if you journey through this, the whole of this year, and you get to 2024, and you find out I've broken the promise, then um, I will buy you an ice cream. That if we make that daily choice to hold on to God, then we will discover the mind-bending miracle that even if our circumstances feel shot to hell, friends, it can be well in our soul. It can be well in our soul. And the world can't get its head around that. I mean, it makes no sense. That if you're really going through the fire, if you're going through a different, difficult experience, it seems contradictory, paradoxical, that when we speak with honesty, vulnerability, and we journey through this year ahead, essentially saying three things. Number one, life at times is hard and painful and agonizing and disappointing and frustrating. We don't deny that. We own the fact that that's true. But number two, but I know that God is with me and he is good. And that enables me to say number three, so I'm okay. It is well with my soul. That's an unshakable faith. Life is hard, God is good, and so I am good. Unshakable faith is not denying the agony. It's just knowing that with God, the agony is not your destiny. The agony is not your destiny. And so with this in mind, this, this uh, week and probably at the beginning of November, I want to look at probably what is one of my favorite Bible stories. Do you have a favorite Bible story? Anyone have a favorite Bible story? Okay, why don't you just, again, turn to the person next to you. Let's keep some energy in the room. Tell them your favorite Bible story. And if you don't have one, just tell them what your favorite story is. And by the way, the title, I don't mean tell them the whole story. We haven't got time for that today. You're here to hear, listen to me. Okay, favorite story, go. Over to you. Okay, okay. So, um, if you've got a Bible, open up your Bible or turn your Bible on, because I'm going to read a lot of Bible today, and we're going to look at Daniel chapter 3. And in Daniel chapter 3, we have, I think, the best, even if he doesn't, story. Even if he doesn't, story. And the story takes place, this is two and a half thousand years ago in the city of Babylon, uh, it's told in the whole of the book of Daniel. And the backstory to this is that King Nebuchadnezzar has recently launched an all-out assault on the city of Jerusalem. He's literally destroyed the temple. He's razed the city to the ground. And then he's taken thousands of men, women, and children captive hundreds of miles east to Babylon. And the majority of those will never, ever return to their homeland. This is a bad situation. I mean, imagine this. Try and imagine this. The 
that we are suddenly attacked by an external enemy, wherever you live, Hitchens, Stevenage, Letchworth, wherever, or wherever you're visiting from, that you are there, your whole area is attacked, your house is destroyed, it's raised to the ground. Sounds a bit familiar in some places of the world right now, doesn't it? And then you're forced to leave. God, we bless our Ukrainian brothers and sisters in this moment. We bless them. Heal that land, end that war. Everyone agrees and says? Amen. Amen. The agony of that. The agony of that. Most of them never will go back in this story. And then from amongst all these captives, Nebuchadnezzar launches a gifted and talented program. He basically selects a whole bunch of young, good-looking Jewish men with whom he's going to integrate them into the Babylonian system. And it's here we meet the four players in the book of Daniel. Uh, and, uh, and the first thing the Babylonians do is change their name. So we have enter Daniel. He becomes Belteshazzar. Hananiah, who becomes Shadrach. Mishael becomes Meshach. And Azariah becomes Abednego. And, and these guys are trained up in the Babylonian system. And, and as a result of their education in this system, they are so outstanding. In fact, Daniel chapter 1 verse 20 tells them they were 10 times better than anyone else. They were given incredible leadership responsibility in this nation. And so then when we turn to Daniel chapter 3, we read, we don't know where Daniel is, maybe Daniel has, has gone off somewhere, he doesn't feature in this story, but we find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it's this incredible example of an unshakable faith in the worst of circumstances. And what we're going to do today and in a few weeks' time is, is look at this story and draw out what I would call five hallmarks of an unshakable faith that God wants to build in us. But in order to help us remember it, I'm going to not call them hallmarks. I'm going to call it a multi-sensory unshakable faith because we have five senses. What are our five senses? Taste, smell, touch, hearing, and sight. Okay? So those will be. Now, if you want to make notes of these things, I'm going to give you the five now. And I'll talk about some today, and I'll talk about uh, the others um, in a few weeks' time. So the five cents, the multi-century, what does unshakable faith uh, look like? First of all, it feels like friendship. It feels like friendship. It sounds like courage. It looks like faith. It tastes like Jesus. And it smells like life. It smells like life. And though I'm not going to get to that point today, I just want to say whatever you're going through, Jesus intends for you to come out of it smelling like life. I need to say that again. Whatever you're going through at the moment, Jesus intends for you to come out of it and even be in it smelling like life. Smelling like life. So, so here we go. Is everyone ready? Notice the person next to you say, get ready. Okay, so I'm going to read a lot today. So this is such a good story. I don't want to paraphrase it. It's a good story. So this is Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and he set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. And then he sent messages 
to the high officials, the, the officers, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he'd set up. Basically, he's anyone who's got any kind of influence or responsibility, he's saying, you need to come. Verse 3, so all of these officials came and they stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes and other musical instruments, bow down to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. And if anyone refuses to obey, will be immediately thrown into the blazing furnace. What a choice. Verse 7. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whether they're, whatever their race or nation or language, bow down to the ground and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. I bet they did. I bet they did. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed him on the Jews. Don't you help a grass? They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments. I mean, this is an orchestra he's pulled together here. That decree, telling the king what he already knows, also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. For there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, whom you've put in charge of the province of Babylon, and they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. Now, it's really clear there's some jealousy going on here. These three guys have got a prominent responsibility, and everyone's looking for a way to bring them down, and they hand it to them on a plate on this day in a public, flagrant act of disobedience, unmissable, unavoidable. I mean, if you looked across, we don't know how many people were there that day, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands. This is a big nation, big city. Like Everyone is knees down, bums in the air, bowing towards this thing and then you've got these three guys who are kind of standing like you're not going to miss that it's going to be fairly obvious you can imagine the people kind of you know heads down kind of looking up and going like are they standing did did they not hear this it's obvious and so this brings me to the very first sense hallmark of unshakable faith like I said it feels like friendship unshakable faith feels like friendship would you say that with me unshakable faith feels like friendship but I have absolutely no doubt friends that one of the reasons that these guys were about to exercise such courage is because they were holding on to God together together they were in this together And one of the enemy's strategies is that when we go through struggles, his strategy is to separate us from believers, separate us from the church. Like, you know, I'm going through a tough time. I'm going to get my head together. I'm going to stop going to church. I'm going to stop connecting with my church at home. And once I've got myself sorted, then I will reconnect. 
It's one of the strategies of the enemy. It's interesting that the very first thing that the Bible says is not good, you find it in Genesis 2.18, it is not good that man is alone. Like we were created to do life together. And God says in that verse, it's not good, so I'm going to create a helper for him. It's the, it's the Hebrew word, Isaiah. And it literally means someone who's going to come alongside you to help you, to encourage you, to support you, to love you, to comfort you, to cheer you on, to challenge you, to stretch you, to help you become everything that God created you to be. Eve was to be that for Adam. Adam was to be that for Eve. We are supposed to be that for each other and God will ultimately be that for all of us like we need each other there will be times when you feel because of the the furnace that you're in that you can't pray and so what you need is people alongside you who will pray for you and pray with you There are times in the year ahead when your tank is feeling low. And even though it's hard to do, the best thing to do is to come alongside some people who will speak life and help your tank be filled up again. There will be times in the year ahead that you will, if if not already, be battling with doubts and questions and disappointments. And we need people who will come alongside us and help us process those things, talk through those things, and pray through those things. And so it's not a surprise that one of the strategies of the enemy is to divide us, to separate us, to keep us apart. In 2023, I want to encourage you to defiantly reject separation and isolation and recognize that that the first hallmark of an unshakable, strong faith is that we are in this together. It's one of our new values, that it feels like friendship, doing life together, journeying through the highs and lows of life together. That, That is why we are committed to gather. That's why we come together today. That's why we're encouraging everybody to be part of a church, a home group. That's why we're encouraging everyone as part of our way forward to find a huddle, a group of two Two or three people who become friends that you do life with, who support you, cheer you on, and you do that for other people. Like if you lean into those things, if you lean into being together here on these alternating Sundays, if you lean in to church at home, if you find some friends, it doesn't even matter if they're not in this church, but that you're huddling to each week, just checking in with, praying, encouraging. If you do that for the next 52 weeks and you step into 2024 and you look me in the eye and you say, Matt, it made no difference. Let me tell you, that will not happen. It will not happen. Faith is fueled in an atmosphere of others. It feels like friendship. It's part of what gave these guys this boldness, I think. I remember years and years ago, before I had my, my two chums, Phil and John, I talk about them a lot, the huddle that I had, but before then, my very first discipleship huddle uh, was about 22 years ago. These other two guys, different John and a guy called Mark. We've journeyed together for about three years, catching up regularly. Again, they weren't from this church. 
And I remember going through a particularly difficult time uh, in, in Crusaders and uh, uh, quite a lot of conflict going on. And I was chatting with these guys and it was hard and I was crying and I felt like giving up and it was tough. And, and, uh, and I remember them saying to me, like, stand up, Matt, we're going to pray for you. And, and I stood up and they both put their hands on my shoulder. And I remember John, I remember it like it was yesterday. John looked into my eyes and he felt like he looked into my soul and he said to me, Matt, we have your back. I can't tell you what it did for me. It put something in my tank. I'm not alone. I've got your back. Whose back have you got today? Whose back? Who will you look in the eyes this, this year and say, I've got your back. I'm going to be praying for you, cheering you on. Sometimes I'll challenge you out of faithfulness. But I've got your back. Not a knife in the back. Like, you know, the, one of the key things that the enemy's going to want to do in the unshakableness of all this is disrupt our relationships. Like, have you noticed in our English language, we talk about the language of, oh, uh, you know, I took offense at that, or I'm holding an offense. Stop taking offense. Stop holding an offense. It's an active thing that you do. Let it go. People are broken. They disappoint us. Forgive them. Seek to be reconciled. Restore it. Do not be employed by the enemy to break relationships. Be employed by the Holy Spirit to restore relationships because we need each other. We need each other. We need each other. Unshakable faith this year will demand. It feels like friendship. It feels like friendship. The story continues. Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into her rage and he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, remember he knows these guys. They're the best of the best. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Now, Let's not underestimate the pressure these guys are on at this moment. Everyone is watching. This guy, they know, is a killer. He's bonkers. And the answer to this question will determine, ultimately, humanly speaking, whether they'll be dead in 10 minutes or alive. And how easy it would be just to, maybe they would confer amongst themselves. Okay, guys, what should we do here? Like, you know, like the guys in The Apprentice who go to the wall. They go to the wall and have a look. What should we do here? Like, this is the, this is the offer that's on the table. Uh, so uh, what we do, um, if we just bow down, we don't even have to mean it. We don't even have to mean it. We can just kind of pretend. We can just bow down and stuff like that. And, uh, or uh, we get burned alive. Ooh, t- tough one. Tough one. It would be easy to do that, wouldn't it? It's easy to compromise. Easy to compromise. But here's something that these guys understand. It's very important in these times that we're living in. The importance of conviction in a culture of compromise. The importance of conviction in a culture of compromise. Their goal is to please God, not to please man. So here's how they respond. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. These guys are like kick-ass. And I know I probably shouldn't say this, but it's the best way to describe them. You can, now you have to forgive me, I apologize. I won't say the word kick again. 
Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God who we serve is able to save us. He will rescue and deliver us from your power, your majesty. But, verse 18, underline this. Even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Don't you love those guys? Well, we're not going to do it. Which is why the, the second sense of unshakable faith is it sounds like courage. It sounds, it has a voice, and it sounds like courage. Incredible courage. They're talking to this guy boldly. And I love the fact how they open it. They just say, like, we actually don't even need to answer you. We don't have to defend ourselves. We're not here to please you. We're not trying to look good. It's this conviction that says, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to do what you want. We're not even going to do what we want because we'd actually quite like to live. We're going to do what God wants, whatever it costs us. As we navigate this year ahead, this is going to be my last point, and then we're going to pray, and I'll pick up the other three next time. As we navigate the year ahead, there are two types of courage every single one of us are going to have to hold in unshakable faith. The first is the courage to hold on to God when it's really, really hard. The courage to hold on to God when it's really, really hard, even if he doesn't kind of courage. The courage that does that. I, I've, I've said many times, I'm not going to go into it, when, when I was going through like the worst storm in my life, you know, I remember I would get up, I've said this before, I still kind of have this habit now, although I'm, I'm in a much better place, and I would get up, I'd make myself a drink, and I'd walk around uh, the, the front room of our house, and I would say, God, I don't understand this, this is painful, this is agony, but I know you love me, I know you're for me, I know you're going to bring me through this. Sometimes I said it with tears because I wasn't aware if he was even there, but it sounded like courage. In the midst of a difficult time. It's what I love these words from Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. It says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there's no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen, and there are no herds in the stalls, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. That, my friends, is courage. That's courage to hold on to God when it makes no sense. Those words of Job when he lost his family, he lost his business, he lost everything. He lost his wife, he lost his health. He literally lost everything other than his own life. And he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And do you think he said it frivolously? I'm sure he said it with agony and I'm sure he said it with tears. But he said it as an act of courage. This is hard, but I'm holding on to God in the midst of it. Who knows what he will do? There's that kind of courage. And then finally, there's this courage where you do what God says. You speak out what says. You live courage even when you don't understand it. And even when you don't want to do it. That's courage. We, we live in a culture of compromise. We're not, we're not living in a place where there are 90-foot idols, but the world around us is consumed with idols. 
where we think, you know, if the thing that's going to save me is my money or my looks or my house or my job or my relationships or whatever it is, you fill in the blank, you know, or my own sense of who I am, all of those things. And, and yet into the middle of that, defiantly, the scripture says, no, none of that stuff's going to work for you. The only one who can truly save you is God. And he has a wonderful name and his name is Jesus. He alone can rescue us. And to be able to speak that out courageously, to say, again, like these guys, I'm not going to do what the culture wants me to do. I'm not even going to do what I want to do. I'm going to set my focus courageously on what God wants me to do. Whatever happens, whatever happens, my identity is first and foremost Whatever the culture wants to put on my identity, my identity is I'm a beloved child of God. I'm a follower of Jesus. That is who I am. And everything else flows from that. Unshakable faith feels like friendship. And it sounds like courage. It sounds like courage. And so let me ask you today, what, what, is, what does that look like for you? What's the, the friendship connection step that you've got to make this year to grow an unshakable faith that you and I, we need it. We all need it and the world needs it for us. Is it a commitment to greater friendship, leaning in? Like we've all, so many of us, I know in a sense I'm preaching to the choir, you're here. But maybe you think, well, I'll come once a month and, and maybe that's like, lean back in. We need each other. Commit again afresh at the start of this year. See what God will do. And then let me ask you, what does courage look like for you this year? What's it demanding of you right now in prayer, in practice? If you're in a storm, you feel like you're in the fiery furnace. Or whether you sense that God is asking you to do something that it's kind of crazy. Maybe it's the courage to stand up for something that isn't right in work. The courage to say, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to cooperate with that. I don't do those things. I won't have that extra drink. Whatever it is, what does courage sound like for you today? What God might be doing in you. We can't do any of these things without him. It's him in us. What, is, what does courage look like for you today? And so before we're going to take some time and we're going to come to the table uh, in a moment, but before we do that and ask the band to come and just play for us quietly, I, I want to give you a moment just to reflect on this. And you can do this one of two ways. My first encouragement is to literally, don't roll your eyes, turn to the person next to you and say, okay, what's striking you? What do you sense is hitting you today? What, what is something that you might do even in the next week as a result of what you think God's saying? One thing you might do. So there's no point us gathering together and having little nice chats together if it actually doesn't propel us into some kind of change. What, what might you do? How are you impacted? If you would rather not do that, because this feels personal, or you just prefer not to talk to the people around you, which is fine, uh, then just it, the easiest way, literally just close your eyes and you can have some thoughtfulness and they'll leave you alone. Okay, But just, just for a few minutes before I lead us in a prayer and this song and communion, right, let's, let's have some honesty, let's have some chatting, some sharing for a few minutes. What are you going to do with this today? What are you going to do with this? God wants to build an unshakable faith in you. It feels like friendship and it sounds like courage. What does that mean to you? Is that okay? Okay, go for it. Over to you just for a few minutes. <laughs>